Uh, we want to get right into our Sunday school lesson. Brother Miller's been doing such a good job. Take up our Sunday school offering this morning. Amen. Why the kids are doing their Sunday school, we're doing ours. God, we love you. We thank you today, Lord, for your goodness and grace and blessings. Bless this lesson this morning of Brother Miller this morning, God. Give him wisdom. Give him knowledge. Give him understanding, oh God, to bring us into perspective, oh God, of who you are and what we must do to live according to thy perfect will. Oh God, bless our Sunday school offering and those give, oh God, this day in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless Brother Miller. Praise the Lord, everyone. Always good to be in the house of God and enjoy the things that God is doing. Glad to see everyone here and be in the midst of a people that don't mind serving the one true God. It's not hard to see that something is keeping everything in place. You look around you, we can definitely conclude that it's not us that's doing it. Amen. So there's obviously something going on that is beyond us. And we know that to be God himself keeping everything in line. After all, he designed it that way. So he already told us he was going to keep it that way until he decides to change it. I'm so glad to be able to enjoy the benefit and the gift of life once again. God bless you all for being here in the house of God. We are continuing with our series here. Talking about putting life back into perspective. And I mean, the more I think about it and the more I dwell on the information that comes out of this and tying it in with how we can develop as children of God, it's a it's a real blessing for me. So for nobody else is definitely something that is benefiting my soul. And I'm glad for that. We talked last week about. The cognitive process and we talked about the different ways of learning or receiving information or or processing that information that we receive. And we talked the week prior to that about how we receive information, how we're designed to receive information through the five senses and relating that to how it's important when we talk about the information that we receive Understanding what information, you know, information in and of itself is not bad. Information is just information. It has no connotation in and of itself. It's what that information is used for. So if you use information, you can use good information for bad. Didn't Satan do it to Jesus in the wilderness? Right? Took the scriptures. And tried to convince Jesus to do what wasn't the will of God. Why is that important to know? Remember we talked about the prophet or uh, the man of God and the lying prophet as we like to refer to him. We refer to him as the lying prophet because what he told the man of God was not true. But he said all the right things to convince the man of God that God wanted him to do something different. Remember, the scripture says that Satan himself, he can transform himself into an angel of light. 
We always say Satan knows the word probably better than God's own people. So be careful who you're listening to because it may be the right words, but used for the wrong purpose. So information is not bad in and of itself. It's what it's used for. And so we got to know when we talked about, you know, the hearing, know who you're listening to. Know whose voice you're listening to. Jesus already said, my sheep, they know my voice. They're going to respond to me because they recognize me as their shepherd. Okay. Pay attention to what you're watching. What you're focusing on is the difference between a glance and actually focusing on something. When you're focused on something, there's an intent behind that. It's usually you're trying to find out more about what it is that you're focusing on. So be careful what you focus on. But however we receive information, there is a process that takes place. When that process is done, we determine the value of that information to us. And then it also helps develop emotion, our emotions, how we feel about it and what beliefs that we have. And of course, religion, culture, social norms, those all play a part or they can play a part and influence the results. So. This is the experience that we have with the information that we receive. Okay. If you look at a lot of people in these other countries, North Korea, you know, some of these countries that's kind of, you know, China. There are a lot of people who live in these countries who feel a certain way. They have a certain belief about the rest or a certain viewpoint about the rest of the world. Why? Because that's been indoctrinated in them. They've been institutionalized. From day one to believe that. Right. So then it's easy for them, even in the Middle East, it's easy for them to go out on a limb and give their life if it's necessary for what they believe. We don't we don't comprehend that. Why would you take your own life for what you believe? A lot of us, we don't comprehend that. Now, if it, if it, you know, duty calls, we may go out and try to, you know, in efforts to help save someone. And if it costs our life, then it costs our life. But we ain't going to just willingly strap a bomb to ourselves and just go out saying in the name of. Think about it. Us Americans, no, nah, man. You know, convince me to strap no bomb to myself for that. You don't even have to put a bomb in the equation to get people to not serve God today. So you're going to ask somebody to put a bomb for what they believe? To commit suicide? To kill myself in the name of God? I don't even go to church when you didn't present this bomb. So what makes you think I'm... And, and, and I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians. We like, you know, we love what we believe. We, we love to profess it, but we ain't going that far. 
But these are folks who have been in, they have been institutionalized. They have been taught this from day one. So for them, it's it's just a part of life. It's a part of their life. They've been convinced that there's something that they're going to receive on the other side if they carry out this particular event or this action. So think about that. Because if it's that powerful for them to take it to the extent where they're willing to take their own lives. How much more we as Christians should we put ourselves out there? Now, I'm not telling nobody to go out and strap no bombs. That's not what the Bible teaches. But if it costs my life to stand for what I believe, do I run, tuck tail and hide? Do I retreat? Or do I continue to go forward? Even if it means I face danger in the process. David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What did he say? Why? That's what's so powerful about this whole thing. Living this life. I don't have to fear what man will do to me. Now, you know, the flesh going to be bothered a little bit now. You can't tell me if somebody, some guys come up in here with machine guns ready to shoot up the places, you know, just denounce God right now. Denounce what you believe or we just going to fire. Most of us emotionally, we going to be a little bit like, oh, this must be it. But spiritually, there's a point where the spirit kicks in and says, regardless, if this is it, Lord, I want to go right. You know, we always use that. You know, you remember that they used to always talk about that. You know, you put somebody put a gun to your head and pastor mentioned it today, you know, put a gun to your head and they say, hey, you know. Denounce God. They've showed this in some of the videos, you know, that they about the end times and stuff like that, that, you know, people will put guns to your head and tell you to denounce God. And if you don't, if you do, then you'll live. And if you don't, then they'll shoot you. So here's my thing. Is there a guarantee that they won't shoot you anyway? So here's the messed up part for me. If I go ahead and say I'm going to denounce God just so that I can live a little bit longer. And then they pull the trigger, I'm still messed up. Because now I can't go back and correct this. But then if I do denounce God and they don't pull the trigger. I'm still in a bad state because guess what now? When it's my time to go. I'm still going to the same destination. Now, nobody wants to burn in hell, right? The Bible gives us a clue about how hell is going to be. And eternity is a long time. But there's a point where the spirit should kick in and say, you know what? 
even if I'm facing danger, because I believe this, this is a part of me. This is the information I received. And guess what? I found it to be true. I value this information. I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to stay true to what I know is true. And if it costs my life, it costs my life. Like Esther said, if I perish, I perish. But a lot of folks do what they do because of what they value and what they believe. And this is because of information that they received. Now, let's talk about this a little bit more. We talk about the experience of information. You know, you receive information. Information in and of itself is not bad. Now, there's two aspects to once you have received this information or the influence behind the information, you've got what I call influential conflict and internal conflict. Okay? So here it is. You've received information. You know this information. And then you get exposed to new information. Now, this is, I'll tell you why I'm telling you this in a minute. Influential conflict comes from outside sources, external sources, who are giving you or sharing or somehow you're receiving new information that conflicts with what you already received. That's influential conflict. So a lot of times when you talk to people that have grown up and they, you know, different religions, Muslim, whatever the case may be, Buddhism, whatever, and you start telling them this information about what you believe as Christians. This is why I always tell my kids, be careful. You just got to use wisdom. You got to know you say you have the Holy Ghost, allow the Holy Ghost to lead you. I said you the first thing you can do, the best thing you can do when you get an opportunity to share something with somebody is to tell them your testimony. Because now you're telling your personal experience, you're not making it a combative thing. Because most people, what do they do? The first, the first time you start talking about religion or anything in that arena, the first thing people do is get defensive. But there's nothing for you to be defensive about if all I'm telling you is just my personal experience. I'm just telling you what I experienced. I'm not trying to force you anyway. And then what that does for some people is that kind of makes them a little curious. You start telling your testimony and they start asking you questions. And next thing you know, you're engaged in a conversation and you're telling them about the gospel and the good news. But it's a non-combative conversation. And you'll get a whole lot you'll get a whole lot further in that conversation if you take the right approach. Y'all understand where I'm coming from? Because some people are looking at me, so I just want to make sure. This is now if y'all haven't tied it in, I'm tying in witnessing as Christians, because sometimes, you know, we we have the right intent. We have good intentions. We want to share the good news with folks. And that is there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to be zealous to do God's work. But you can damage the potential of winning a soul if you don't take the right approach. All right, so I'm kind of getting ahead. Let me bring it back. 
All right, so influential conflict, receiving information that conflicts with what you already know from outside sources. Internal conflict is something different. This is something that you generate yourself in your own mind. So you create information. This is trippy to me, but you create information in your own mind that conflicts with the information that you know to be true. You create something that does not exist. And usually the intent behind that is to be deceptional, dishonest, as we like to label it, simply lying. Now, psychologically, they tell you that if you rehearse something long enough to yourself, even though it's not true and it doesn't exist, if you rehearse it long enough, you'll come to the point where you begin to believe what you made up. Isn't that trippy? The mind is powerful. That's the way God designed it. So if you can convince yourself to believe a lie, how easy do you think it is for the enemy to? So we have to, this is, this is stuff that's important, right? Because a lot of times it's easy just kind of to overlook the details of some things and just chalk it up and say, oh, you know what? It'll be all right. It's no big deal. But without understanding, we can't truly grow and progress. Remember what I told y'all, even from a practical sense or from a scientific aspect, this stuff is just to validate what God has already put in place. It's not to take away. It's to validate. Explaining all this stuff is just a matter of pointing out the way God designed things to be. Even from a psychological standpoint, I'm not a psychologist, but when you look at some of those things, it's just explaining the way God designed things to be. Now, there's a limit to that, but we'll get into that in the next lesson. Okay, so understanding the difference between influential conflict and internal conflict. When you make up something, basically, like you tell a kid, you know, you go to a child and you say, hey, who broke the cookie jar? You know what's happening with that kid? I asked my son, you know, my little son yesterday. I said, hey, did you, uh, you know, he, he's, he's potty training, so I said, hey, did you, did you use the bathroom in your clothes? And he's looking at me. Now, he understands what yes and no means. I kid you not, it took him five minutes to give me a response. And the whole time I'm looking at him, and I feel bad for him because I know he's like, man, I'm on trial right now. And I need to come up with something so I don't get in trouble. But in his mind, he thought he was going to get in trouble. For me, I just wanted to know so we could take care of it. 
But I wanted him to accept responsibility. If he did, I wanted him to let me know. But just watching him, I'm like, I could just tell he, in his mind, he's contemplating, man, if I, if I say no, I know. <laughs> Even at his age, he has the ability to make a determination, to make a choice, and to conjure up. Yeah, my youngest one, as soon as something happens and they say, Matthew did, he's, no, I didn't, no, I didn't, no, I didn't. But this is, this is, this is where it starts. So, you know, these little things, they start out funny, comical. But when folks get older, that's when it becomes, and this is what I tell my teenage son. Decisions that you make now, the habits that you keep now, you think that you know what you're doing. But when you as you get older, you continue those practices, you continue making those decisions. They become harder and harder for you to break. And then, oh, by the way, the consequences become a whole lot more severe and in some cases irreversible. So let's talk about the expression of information. Communication. Oh, my, 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 my. Woo! Communication. Y'all hear it all the time, right? We, got, we have developed over time so much technology to encourage communication. Let me be the first to tell you about me. I can't stand emails. There are so many emails that come across. The amount of emails I have to respond to during the week, I can't stand emails. I try to avoid them if I can. But this was an effort to help people communicate. So you didn't have to send a letter anymore. You could send an email and it get there a whole lot quicker. You didn't have to wait seven to ten business days for a letter to reach somebody and then wait another seven to ten business days or maybe more, depending on when they put it in the mail, to respond back to you. Telephones, y'all remember when the first cell phone came out? I don't. But... I heard about it. I do remember the big ones that they used to have with the long antenna. And somebody tell me, we went from this big cell phone that, you know, you remember the car phones? Oh, that was the thing, man. If you had a you had a car and a car phone in it. See, we talk about Wi-Fi now in the vehicles. That's the new thing now. Wi-Fi. But back in the day, just having a cell phone or a car phone, so they would ask you, what's your car phone number? What's your beeper number? 
What's your cell phone number? Oh, yeah, page or whatever you called it. And what's your home number? But it came with all these things. Now, we went from a big cell phone to these little cell phones we got now, right? Yeah, some people got them on their watches. Yeah, anybody seen uh, Knight Rider? Nobody seen Knight Rider? Man, that used to be my show. I used to love it just because I was like, man, it must be something to be able to talk into your watch, man, and just, and your car pull up. That's, that's all right. And here we are. You can tie all these gadgets. Anybody seen, anybody heard of that new vehicle now? They got a new vehicle where it's teen proof. It's teen proof. Teen, like a teenager? So the way they programmed it was, you put a passcode into the car. And the car, when the teen gets in it, the radio, nothing will come on until they put the seatbelt on. And as soon as they take that seatbelt off, the radio goes off. I don't think it shuts off, does it? But the radio, all the electronic stuff goes off. The speed, you can set the speed limit. And then it will send you notifications if they're going too fast. It'll tell you how far they're going. It records all that. Technology, right? Communication. Because I don't know what you're doing out there in my pinto. Granted, now, you may not have to worry about putting a speed limit on that because, you you know. All in efforts to make communication better. But brothers and sisters, in our efforts to communicate, sometimes we are ineffective in our communication. There are some people... I can call you, Sister Sue, and I'll talk to you the whole time on the phone. You don't get a word in. And then I'll say, appreciate you, you know, uh, talking with me on the phone. Uh, I got to go. Now, I've just communicated to you, right? But you didn't get a chance to really say much to me. Tell me, is that effective communication? For me, it is, because I got to say what I wanted to say. And apparently, I didn't care what she had to say, because I didn't give her an opportunity to talk. Ineffective communication is just as bad as no communication at all. Because communication is part of how we deliver information about ourselves, about what we value, about how we see things, so on and so forth. Anybody ever heard of intent versus impact? Intent. Intent versus impact. Those of us who have been in the military, I'm pretty sure you've heard this term before. This used to be an EO 
they would talk about this in the EO realms, and now they use it in the sexual harassment, prevention, who ya. But in communication in general, this is one of the areas I feel like we have a big issue with as people. Because I can say something to you, and while my intentions are good, the impact it has on you may be a whole different thing. Take somebody from another country, and I've and I've heard this before, but you know, in America we say things like, you know, there's sayings that we have, like, man, you crazy. Boy, you stupid. You ain't got no sense. But we don't mean that in a derogatory way. Right? And if we if it's another fellow American in a lot of cases, they know we don't mean it in a derogatory way. So they just kind of laughing like, yeah, man, I, yeah. They don't walk away actually feeling like they stupid. Like, man, he called me stupid. But if you take somebody from another country who has learned enough English to basics and they just so happen to learn that the word stupid means you just don't have the ability to learn, you ignorant. And you say, man, you stupid. The impact might be a whole lot different. Anybody ever said something at one point in the situation and then you think about it and you say, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. Or maybe I could have worded it differently. You ever been upset about something? Because usually that's when it happens. Man, I should have worded that differently. My intent was not to hurt the individual. I was on the phone with a bank representative a couple weeks ago, and I was talking to him about the situation. I said, listen, I've been dealing with this situation for quite some time. I said, I understand it's not you. You're just a representative. I said, but this whole process has just been too tedious. I'm just ready for this to be done. What's my options? This was my efforts to express to the representative that, hey, I'm pretty I pretty much have my mind made up on what I want to do because of all the experiences that I've had prior to this. But then ensuring or reassuring her that, hey, I'm not directing this at you. This is not a personal attack. Just so that when we get off the phone, you're clear. I don't know the individual. and She doesn't know me. They don't know me. But at least when they get off that phone, they don't feel like I just attacked them. But how much more in person? Right? Okay. So we're looking for the spiritual side. I got it. God is good, isn't he? He's an awesome God. And we love him so much. He makes us want to love everybody. Y'all remember what I say? He makes me want to love everybody. Right? Me loving you, and we're going to talk about this, has nothing to do with whether or not I accept the things that you do. 
but I can't confuse one with the other, right? Because I love you, I can come up to you and say, hey, brother, God bless you, man. Good to see you. Find some time. Maybe we can sit down and fellowship and have a little talk or something. Right? But that doesn't mean I'm going to go ahead and go along with everything that you're doing. Sometimes when we disagree with stuff that other people do, we confuse that. Miscommunication. Right? So if I'm not a, if I'm not big on and, and I always get I always joke around with my my pastor because you know he's my father in law. If I come in and I'm not smiling, I do smile sometimes. I do. Matter of fact, I like to have a good laugh every now and then, but I just don't smile all the time. But if I come in, now there's a difference. I come in a lot of times, you know, I'm just looking, I'm observing. But if I'm looking at you in a certain way, Right? That's different. Because now I got something I'm really thinking about. Probably something that bothers me. But if you see me and you know me and I'm just coming in. Hey, how you doing, Sister Sue? You know, and I'm just. There's no smile, right? Right? But do you feel like I'm a threat to you? pastor don't he knows me my mother-in-law knows me my wife knows me y'all know me those of y'all that see me all the time y'all know me right so don't bother y'all that's a nonverbal expression i'm glad to be here i'm just my normal self right you say something funny (laughs) what that's all right brother Then I go on about my business. But another person can interpret or misinterpret my body language as something else. Sometimes you can come in contact with me and I may be dealing with something else. I may have just finished correcting my child or something, you know. I can't believe they just hauled off and just hit their sibling. I don't condone that. But I come in and you, oh, Lord, Brother Miller got a bad attitude. This is going to be a messed up Sunday school lesson today. I knew he wasn't spiritual. But think about it now. Here's why I'm saying this. You know, we got a pastor, we got a man of God. Thank God for him. He probably won't let me teach no more after I say this. But he's also a person, just like the rest of us, which means that he has emotions and he has things that affect him a certain way. It does not make him less spiritual just because he's having 
a bad moment. Y'all with me? Because we do this. We don't mean to, but that's what we do. Yes, he's a man of God. That means he's a man chosen by God to do God's work. He's not God. Why are we so quick to write people off? Because they expressed a little emotion. Now, I got to fix this in a second. Emotions are a part of what God has given us, right? You know, the scripture says, be angry, but sin not. Don't you cast no stones at me because I'm angry and I'm a pastor. As long as I don't come and haul off and knock you upside your head, you're all right. <laughs> Pastors, be, man, look, y'all, look, I'll tell you what. He ain't going to say this, but I'll say it. Sometimes it's like that. You trying to work with folks. You ever try to work with somebody? You try to get them online and doing the right thing and they just still doing the wrong thing? You know, like your kids sometimes? Doing the total opposite of what you're telling them to do? What you want to do sometimes? Oh, you fucker, just. All right, parents. Y'all know the deal. We try to act sanctified. But sometimes we get a little angry. We get a little upset. We get disappointed, right? He said, be angry, but sin not. When's the last time your pastor punched you in the gut? I'm not raising my hand because he did it to me. I'm just saying. I'm asking. Sometimes God will move, and I, and I experience this in my home a lot of times, but God will move upon you to do something. You know, especially in my house, I recognize my role as a father and as a husband, as a man in my house. And I recognize that in order for me to be successful in this life and in these roles, I've got to submit to him. And if he's leading me to do something, I recognize that it doesn't matter if anybody else agrees with it or not. He's holding me accountable to make sure that I'm lining up. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So if my wife doesn't agree, I don't answer to my wife. I answer ultimately to God. Now, I reverence my wife. As my wife. But when it becomes between listening to God and listening to my wife, I am obligated to listen to him. If she doesn't agree, it's conflict, right? But you know what I always tell my wife? I say, you know what? If we ever get to moments like that, I said, I've learned that I don't have to defend what God has put in place. See, this is not a warfare between me and you. 
if you disagree and just like Moses told the people, if you disagree and you don't comply, it's not you against me. It's you against who? This is putting things in perspective. See, because if I lose my mind, guess what I'm going to do? Now I'm going to assume the authority that I don't have. Now the battle becomes between me and my wife. Guess what ends up happening? The whole thing, a house divided against itself. Man, this, this, there's so much you can get out of that just right there. But I have to know that it's God telling me to do something and not just me, myself. And then when I tell my wife what God is telling me, I consider. As a matter of fact, a lot of times if I know, I'm like, Lord, you know this ain't going to go over well. Sometimes it's like that. Now, I'm not bashing my wife. I love my wife. We, we, we talk about a lot of stuff. We've been together this year to be what? 16? 17? Lord, we don't even know. I'm okay, though, because we both don't know, so we all right. I know when it is. But there are those times. So I've got to keep things in perspective and know, okay, that even when God gives me something, I've got to know how to communicate that to my wife. If she disagrees, it may upset me, but then I've got to know how to manage myself by staying in submission to him so that I don't respond the wrong way. The impact of information being delivered can be a progressive thing, it can be a beneficial thing, or it can be destructive. We would, we would be wise to consider the impact of the information on others before we communicate that. Some of us, a lot of us, we come from different backgrounds, and so, you know, depending on where you come from, some cultures are more aggressive than others. You know, some people like their personal space. Right? And others are okay with just, oh, man, come on, everybody, fam, we're just a group hug. And this is part of who you are. So you know who you are, but then you also consider is what I'm about to do or what I'm about to say going to have the same impact on the person I'm about to communicate this to? Bad relationships, more, more often than not, occur from, oh, I didn't intend for it to be this way. I didn't mean to hurt you. Right? That's not how I meant it. That's not what I meant to say. We've all heard that before, right? But the reality is, once you do it, you can't erase the impact that it has on someone else. 
So some people make fun of it and they say, oh, just a kinder, gentler society, so on and so forth. But let's face it. When you talk about effective relationships, guess what? Look in the scripture. That's what Jesus did. Not in that terminology, but that's what he was doing. He didn't just go up to people and just start choking them and, you know, just start coming up to them aggressively and saying, you No. In fact, Jesus talked to the multitudes in what? Parables, stories that they could relate to. You know what he said to Peter a lot of times? Peter got it sometimes. Peter talking to Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, if I was Peter, I'd be like, whoa, hold on. I could take a lot of stuff, but I'm not the devil, man. I didn't mean it that way. Oh, ye of little faith. The way he spoke to his disciples was different than the way he spoke to the multitude. Because he identified where they were. He identified what they could handle. And he identified the most effective way to communicate to these people so we would be wise to follow his exa- his example in how we communicate with one another and how we communicate with those who are not of the faith those who are not within the congregation those who are not family members whatever the case may be take it to what extent you want to but as an individual it would be better for us to consider what is the impact Of what I'm about to say or do. How could this impact someone else? Part of knowing that or figuring that out is to understand a person's personality. You can only learn a person's personality truly by spending time with that individual. And I got to cut it off right here. God bless you. Let's take a break. Let's get ready for a dynamic service today. In Jesus' name.